Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. Today's episode is a continued discussion of the CHIPS and Scientac and its impact on Central Texas with a lens on the region's semiconductor ecosystem. Joining us for this discussion is returning guest Tyson Tuttle. Tyson served as CEO of Austin-based Silicon Labs from 2012 to 2021. We last had Tyson on the show for episode 52, where he discussed the Internet of Things, of which he led Silicon Labs to be in its transformation to be a peer play leader in that space. Tyson is a board director with the Dallas Fed and is a past board member of the Global Semiconductor Alliance and Semiconductor Industry Association, which is the voice of the U.S. semiconductor industry. Also, check out episode 161 featuring Ed Lassen, the CEO of the Austin Regional Manufacturers Association, where he provided an overview discussion of the Chips and Science Act. All right, you're back to the show. Tyson, welcome back. Ah, thank you, man. It's great to be back. All, All right. right. Well, I want to start with let's start with the, your work with the Semiconductor Industry Alliance and leading up to leading up and in, up into the passage of the Chips Act. Yeah, so I was on the board at the the SIA, uh, which is is really you've got all the top U.S. semiconductor companies, and that that is the lobbying group essentially for the semiconductor industry, and really to help articulate you know the value of semiconductors, and then also the importance of semiconductors to the economy, and to emphasize uh, you know and and to and to influence and and uh, you know direct uh, you know legislative policy. So the Chips Act had been in the works for. A number of years. It was a bipartisan effort, really recognizing that we need to level the playing field uh, globally in terms of uh, where semiconductor plants get built. There's been a lot of subsidy, uh, certainly from China, uh, with the China 2025 and their desire to, uh, you know, to build up their domestic semiconductor capabilities, in particular manufacturing. Um, but also in Taiwan, in Korea, in Japan, all these countries put, and, and even Europe, put together subsidy packages, which if, if, if you've got to level the playing field, because if it's more expensive to build a, a factory here versus somewhere else in general, you know, because of globalization, um, those factories get built. So, you know, for many, many years, those, those factories were built uh, outside the US. If you go back to like 1990, uh, we had about a third of the semiconductor manufacturing globally. US companies, you know, semiconductors and, and the integrated circuit were invented in the US, you know, Bell Labs mm-hmm. and Texas Instruments, um, you know, and, and Moore's Law with Intel, you know, in 1965. Um, and then all the progression, you know, most of the equipment for these factories is built by US companies or, or uh, um, you know, or ASML, which is based in the Netherlands, which actually has big, big operations here. So the U.S. invented this market and, and really, you know, owns the, the IP. There's been limitations on what could get sent into China. So the most advanced technology was not available to them. But most of that, advanced, most of the advanced fabs are in Taiwan right now. So which is, about- which some would, some would say is, China would say is China, too, right? So, which is the issue with the chip? Come back the Chips Act, and it's important. Right. So, so you know, Taiwan TSMC is one of the one of the largest companies in this top ten market cap company. They're the biggest foundry. They they're about two generations ahead of of, of Intel. But you've got half the global foundry capacity sitting in Taiwan. You've got ninety percent. They they are two generations ahead, and those factories are in Taiwan. And it's a big economic and national security risk for the U.S. So there's a, there was a recognition in the Congress. Uh, in a bipartisan fashion that we needed to do something about that to encourage geographical diversity and, and, and in particular, building up the semiconductor manufacturing ecosystem in the U.S. So the CHIPS Act 
uh, $52 billion uh, to go into funding, uh, you know, manufacturing is about 39 billion of that that went into production and about 13 billion that went into R&D. Uh, and then some stuff on on uh, on the supply, the, the, the greater supply chain. But just to put that in perspective, the, the semiconductor industry as a whole will spend just this year about $100 billion in, in CapEx. And you've got big facilities going in. TSMC is building a complex in uh, in Phoenix. But, you know, to the extent to how big that can be, it's got to be cost. It's about 40 percent more to build in the U.S. without these subsidies. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's advantages, but that's a that's a big differential. And, you know, companies have to make economic decisions as well. You know, maybe companies don't factor in the geopolitical risks. You know, if, if something happens to those factories in China, we're all in trouble. We can talk about that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we would go into a global depression. I mean, this this chip supply crisis that we've been in for the last couple of years, we're finally starting to to see the end of the tunnel on that um, would be nothing. You know, if we lost lost uh, access or something happened to the fabs in Taiwan, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't build a car, you couldn't build a factory, you couldn't build a house. Um, our, our economy would slow down. I've, I've actually talked about how this, you know, if you think about the Cold War with Russia uh, or the Soviet Union, it was nuclear missiles that were the mutual assured destruction. And I, I guess still are, uh, you know, given a lot of the stuff that's going on. But if you think about the economic competition with China, I'm not going to call it necessarily a new Cold War, but it's, that economic uh, and military competition, uh, you know, with China as a rising rising power, um, the the mutually assured destruction isn't necessarily nuclear missiles. It's it's Taiwan and in particular the semiconductor fabs there that uh, really help to power, you know, vast swaths of the economy. You know, whether it's finance or retail or factories or, you know, everything has chips. Everything is getting more connected. We've got the cloud. We've got mobile. We've got um, you know, computing, uh, AI and machine learning that are just critical to, you know, economic leadership in the world going forward. Still so they're right at the heart of it and that Taiwan's right in the heart of that. And so really the CHIPS Act was, you know, the recognition that we got to do something. And even though it's, you know, 52 billion sounds like a lot, it's a spit in the ocean in terms of the total capex, but it definitely helps to move things in the right direction. And certainly has been a big, you know, Texas and Austin have been, um, have been and will be a big beneficiary of this trend to, you know, maybe deglobalize or to localize uh, manufacturing. You know, with with Samsung, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as as the big player right now. You know, there, there's some some discussions about whether Micron uh, comes into Central Texas. We should know something on that pretty soon. That that could be the biggest capital investment ever in the U.S. And, what, was the, what was the total on that one again? Was it? Was it thirty? Was it about thirty billion? Uh, I, we don't know exactly what the number is. They, talk, they, they talked about spending a hundred billion dollars over the next ten years. Could mm-hmm. be more. So, Micron, just for everyone's knowledge. So, you've got there's two types of, of semiconductors, uh, both of which are advanced. You've got Logic, which would go into processors, like would go into your iPhone, the A15, and the or the M2 in your Mac. Um, you know, or an NVIDIA graphics chip. Those are logic processes. That's where TSMC is really dominant. And that's that's the majority of the semiconductor industry. And then you have memory. So you have flash and, and DRAM, uh, which are the memory that bolts up to the processor. So any sort of computing device will have a logic chip, a processor, and will have memory. And Micron is one of the leaders on memory uh, with the others 
uh, really Samsung being the largest there um, on their memory side, but Micron being being a very large company, they do a, a lot of stuff, less stuff in, in Taiwan, more in Japan, but they're talking about massive uh, investments in building those next generation fabs here in, in the US. And so that's, you know, if, if that lands in Hayes County uh, or somewhere down south of Austin, it's it's a it's a huge deal um, in terms of uh, you know and all these all these fabs need need water and power and they need people and uh, you know big big you know these you know it's a big building and it's also a lot of very expensive equipment that goes into these things building a fab is is about twenty billion dollars just for one you know decent sized fab today um, and uh, you know so fifty billion dollars helps to you know to to equalize the cost there but um you know it 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 also takes a lot of other things to put together there so it was fun to work with the semiconductor industry association and you know working with the administration uh, administrations and um uh and with You're doing some lobbying members of, members of congress to uh to really get people to understand there was a lot of you know give and take and politics around this but ultimately we got that done uh it was you know big uh, you know, and, and then there were elements outside of the semiconductor industry in terms of uh, R&D and uh, such that, uh, you know, I, I think that that's a really good step. For the Bipartisanship on the Hill is a rare thing these, day, these days. So it was uh, anything that you can find uh, of significance like that. It's, it's, a, it's great. And the local or at least in Central Texas, can you give an overview of what the overall comprises the semiconductor ecosystem? We have the fabs, companies like, like uh, Silicon Labs, which is fabulous design. I believe, right? What else? Just, can you overview? Yeah, so, so the you know, just so let let's just kind of size up the semiconductor industry. Semiconductor industry, um, in terms of sales this year, um, is let's call it six hundred and fifty billion dollars. It's either the third or fourth largest export from the U.S. So the U.S. Um, is about half of that market. These are US-based companies. It doesn't mean that their manufacturing is necessarily done here or even all the design is done here, uh, but US companies uh, are about half of that market. And then on top of that, you have semiconductor equipment um, and uh, you know other things in the supply chain, but the sales of semiconductor end products going into you know everything from airplanes to cars, to factories, to cities, to homes to our phones and computers and the cloud, that all, you know, all those chips, that's about 650 billion. That in the next five years should be about a trillion dollar industry. The, the top industry in the US export wise is airplanes uh, and then oil and oil distillates. So you can either put those together or not. Um, and then semiconductors is number three. Uh, within that industry, so you've got companies, let, let me just, you know, so you've got companies like um, well, the largest market cap company in the semiconductor industry is NVIDIA, and they do the graphics chips and, you know, some stuff on AI. They're a fantastic company based in the Bay. Uh, you've got Intel uh, and AMD who are doing the processors for personal computers and data centers. Um, actually, AMD is now a larger company. They're essentially based here in Austin. So they've got a big presence. Their executive management team is here. They're technically headquartered in um in the Bay Area, but uh, it's an Austin company, um, and and Intel has some operations here. Uh, they're based in the Bay and and big operations in in, in Portland. You've got Qualcomm, uh, which does the processors that you know the the modems and the processors that go into mobile phones. They're the leader worldwide on five G. Uh, 
and you know we had all that stuff going on with Huawei, uh, you know, during the Trump administration, and 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 that continues, um, you know, and then and then a lot, you know, Broadcom does the networking chips, and so these these are a combination. You, you'll have a chip, a company that does their own manufacturing. Those are called IDMs, integrated device manufacturers. So Intel designs and manufactures. Uh, most of the semiconductor companies have moved to a fabless model. For instance, AMD divested their fabs. Uh, I think it was, oh, it was 10, 12 years ago. And uh, they had a fab in Austin, which is now the Infineon fab, which was the Cypress fab, which was the Spansion fab, but down on, on uh, uh, it's on 71, just, uh, it's just past, or between, between 35 and the airport there. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's an older factory, um, but they divested to a company that's now uh, Global Foundries and they focus on more of the mainstream technology, older technologies. Uh, and they are not pursuing advanced technologies. Intel is doing advanced technologies and trying to catch up to um, to TSMC with TSMC being, being the leading edge guy and then Samsung being the number two person, uh, company on the, on the advanced. And they're doing both logic and memory. When you, and say Tyson, you, say advanced, when you say advanced technology, what are we talking the, the versus old oh, okay. So we got to talk a little bit of Moore's law here. Let me, I, I, I'll, uh, you know, I've, I've spent my whole life in this, and you know, it's hard to to assume that everybody's not steeped in this. But so Moore's law was Gordon Moore was the founder of Intel, and he coined this, or he didn't coin it, but he came up with this chart that was then coined Moore's law in like 1965. Uh, you know, a little bit before I was born, that most uh, basically showed that every year you could make the transistors smaller and do finer lithography. And basically, you get twice as many transistors on a given amount of area on a semiconductor wafer every two years. And that, that progression has essentially held since 1965. So for instance, when I started my career, uh, I don't know if I wasn't working, but I was in school, my first chip was taped out in three microns, uh, you know, three one millionths of a meter. You know, it's a pretty small. Today, the most advanced technology is three nanometers, uh, which is three billionths of a, a meter. So there's been a factor of a thousand in shrink of the transistors uh, and the wires and everything that go onto a semiconductor wafer. And that's what's made in these fabs is these wafers. You can fit a million times more transistors onto that wafer and the wafers have even gotten bigger. So it's even more than that uh, over just, just my, uh, you know, the last 30, uh, 50, uh, what is it? Yeah, no, I've been 30 some years, you know, since yeah. the late eighties. Um, and, um, and, you know, which is just that that's driven all these productivity enhancements in the economy, right? It's given us computing in our hand that you couldn't have imagined 30 years ago. It's given us the cloud. It's, you know, mobile, uh, you know, all this stuff coming on AI, you know, we're always connected and we, you know, we have so much, you know, intelligence and processing at our fingertips and, and that that's transformed the economy and the way we live and the way we communicate in the whole media environment. I mean, what we're doing right now is powered by semiconductors. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, so you got to, that, that's, so you've got the design and you've got the manufacturing, you've got the U S leading, uh, a lot of the manufacturing is done offshore, but really the design and the, the top companies in the semiconductor world are all U S companies. Well, in the U S how many of them are, I mean, within the U S Texas, I believe is a, is a leader in that space. Uh, well, I mean, the, you know, the Bay Area is going to be the, the largest, uh, you know, and then San Diego with Qualcomm. But Austin, you know, you've got AMD, you've got NXP, big facility here. Certainly have Cirrus Logic, you have Silicon Labs that are medium-sized companies. You've got Samsung doing manufacturing here. 
up in Dallas, TI is a powerhouse on analog, which uses more of the, the mainstream legacy kind of technologies, but they are the number one analog company in the world uh, that does a lot of, they're not doing the processors, but they help to, you know, from battery management to sensors and, and all the different things that, that wrap around processors and in a lot of different applications, you know, automotive, uh, tons of stuff up there. So Texas has been a leader in semiconductors, like, you know, probably the number two concentration uh, it, you know, in Phoenix, Intel has big facilities. TSMC mm -hmm. is building stuff. NXP has stuff there. Uh, you, you had a concentration in northern New York. Uh, Global Foundries is up there, which is kind of the old IBM uh, world. But Austin has, uh, you know, its unfair share of, of, uh, of semiconductor work. And, and, you know, that's on top of all the stuff we do on software and in other areas of tech, which are not included in this semiconductor bucket. But um, you know, and, and and certainly, you know, NXP comes from, there was Motorola that was an early player in Austin mm -hmm. and IBM was an early player in Austin and they were partnered and then Motorola became Freescale and now is NXP. NXP is headquartered in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. um, but major operations here. That was a merger, really, I think it was a 15, $16 billion merger, maybe five years ago uh, that created that. So, going, back, uh, going back to the Chips Act, so with the... It was, it was passed in August or signed into law in August. What do you have an idea of the horizon for that to have a for for that that money to come out and for you know getting to private to private uh, private companies start building facilities overall? What is the horizon for there to be some meaningful build out of U.S. capacity? On yeah, so maybe, maybe the timeline. There's there's kind of two things. You got to build a factory. And then you got to design products and get those running in a factory. Uh, and for instance, it's really tough to move stuff out of Taiwan because they have older and newer tech. They have all the different flavors of technology. They have, you know, probably a hundred thousand different products running there. And and you you got to have a factory, but then you got to like move those products over, and it's not easy. You got to there's engineering involved, and you know each one of these technologies have a different flavor, and so um, uh, so that's tough. But if you're going to build if you're going to build a new factory, you know, from the time you conceive it until it's actually putting wafers out with the first product um, can be three, four five years. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, you, you can't just, you know, these, you got to build a factory, you got to get the machine set up. There's constraints on the, you know, the machines uh, you've got to have a team. You got to have all the suppliers. There's a lot to put in play. Think, you know, building a $20 billion factory, you don't just snap your fingers. And then you've got to design, you've got to get it up and running. You've got to get the products designed into that factory. And so that's, it's like a five-year process. Mm -hmm. So the workforce though, too, and like all the kind of the, the, sec, the, the fact that you had the home, but who are factory, but who's running it, right? Who's in it? Who's, well, yeah, who's building it? Infrastructure. Building it. There's, there's uh, uh, a lot that has to come into place for this. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, meaningfully moving uh, production out of Taiwan. And it's not as important that it's all in the US, but it needs to, we need to have geographical diversity so that we're right. not- Less proximity to China. to China, like less proximity. Well, Japan's okay, or Korea's okay, maybe, you know, <laughs> Europe's okay, Texas is great. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, certainly we have very favorable climate here, both in terms of subsidies and taxes and, you know, a very talented workforce and uh, an attractive place to live that, uh, you know, we're getting our, our fair share of that stuff. Moving to I'll talk about policy on the on the state and local front, you know, Samsung had came out with news a few, I think a month or two ago about their potential build out of, you know, beyond the one, the, the, the main plant in Tyler or Taylor to build, I think, nine or 10 more facilities in Williamson County. 
right? But th- so those are facilities. But again, it's the talent to run to be in to run those to operate those fa- those factories. Where are they going to live? The infrastructure, even the infrastructure for the for the fabs themselves, but also the infrastructure for the people that are going to be living around there. All that goes into it. On, yeah, on a, just to be clear, the you know the number of the, even though these are massive capital, a lot of the capital goes into just how expensive the machines are hmm. and how they have to be set up. There's not, you know, I mean, you're you're talking about thousands of employees, but you, you know, I mean, Tesla in some ways is going to have a lot more people than a fab. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in terms yeah. of the overall build out, though, right? So for especially in those areas where there's they're they're kind of smaller towns right now, right? But the impact is kind of the secondary impacts of of having these, you know, economic zones or economic generators there. What do you, what should regions be looking at in terms of developing future talent to, to work in this factory or those, those facilities? Yeah, I mean, luckily we, you know, we've got strong universities at UT and A&M in particular and, and Texas, you know, we've always been successful at uh, welcoming newcomers and recruiting people into, into Texas and especially into Austin. I, you know, I've recruited a lot of people into, into Austin, it's a, it's an attractive place to live. You know, we've got, but we, you know, we've got to deal with affordability. We've got to deal, you know, and that really relates to housing and transportation. Uh, you know, and and not everybody has to come out of UT and AM. There's there's a lot of work at ACC uh, and and other universities around uh, around the region and around the state uh, to increase programs in technology and manufacturing that that um, are helping. I mean, uh, you know, for instance, in Taiwan, the semiconductor industry is almost 20% of GDP and they are running out of water, they're running out of power and they're running out of people to be able to continue to, to build this out. So that's, that's another constraint as to whether, you know, you, how much can you scale Taiwan? You're running out of people and, and, and on top of that, you're adding all the geopolitical risk uh, with China on top of it. Uh, so Texas is, we got to pay attention. I mean, everyone knows how expensive it's getting uh, in Austin to live and how much traffic, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's a two lane road to Taylor or a four lane road, but I can promise you that there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to build, uh, get built out in both if Micron comes uh, and, and Samsung in terms of water, in terms of our power grid, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, our workforce, the, you know, everything has to come into, into play. Uh, what, what's really undeniable is that the growth is coming here. and um, you know, we can't let what has made Austin special and and, and to be a good place uh, suffer because of a lack of vision or a lack of execution mm-hmm. uh, as a region, not just the city, but but the region in particular to address all these issues holistically, uh, you know, that, that we've got to educate. And, and I'm, I'm a big believer that you have to, it's not just the universities. We got to, we got to start with the kids early and we got to give, there's got to be a view towards equity and uh, exposing kids very early to STEM um, and, and, and making sure that our education system, uh, is preparing the people and the workforce of the future. Cause this isn't just a two-year or five-year problem. Uh, it's, it's something that, you know, if Austin's going to double in the next 20, 25 years and, and how, what is the city going to look like and how can, what things should we be doing now to make sure that we're prepared for that to where this is an even better place to live in the future than it is today. Agreed, agreed. Tyson, I want to switch gears and just talk about what you've been up to post Silicon Labs. I know you're, you're a person, I, I doubt you're, you're just on the golf course. So what's been, yeah. what's been going on both both uh, other interests uh, and community involvements? Yeah, I haven't played one round of golf 
So that, that will tell you, I'm not a golfer and, uh, and I, I do stay busy. You know, it was, it was awesome. You know, it was a good time. I was at Silicon labs for 25 years and, and learned so much. We transformed the company into IOT, uh, and sold off some of our legacy business to Skyworks. Uh, they're still in town here. And, um, uh, you know, really looked at, at that as, you know, I, I don't think I had ever had a weekend off, you know, I, you, you work so hard, uh, through your career. So it's the first time I've gotten a chance to, to just step back and get a chance to think. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of reading on a lot of different things. I got my, my oldest daughter got married in, uh, in June, which was awesome. I got to, to take my first real vacation in July. I was always working in July and could never take vacations. And, uh, uh, so got to spend a, a month in Italy. I don't want to rub it into anybody, but it was awesome. And <laughs> the strong dollar doesn't hurt when you're on vacation. Oh, no. uh, but uh, no, you know, it's like uh, going through, you know, there, there's a lot of different options. I mean, I, one thing I know is that I'm not leaving Austin. I, you know, my kids are in school here and I, I love this place and I want to be able to, uh, you know, to give back and to, you uh, you know, to help push things in the right direction to the extent that I can. And, you know, working with a lot of the, uh, different organizations. You and I are working on the Austin Monitor. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we need to to work on our our public media infrastructure here. Uh, you know, we need we need the Texas Tribune focused on uh, providing eyes and ears on our uh, you know what's going on locally and in particular around you know what's going on in government. And so I know that you and I have a passion, a shared passion around that. Uh, you know, have been on the Dallas Fed board where we're looking at the the uh, impact of technology, not just semiconductors, but technology in general on the economy and on the workforce. There's, we've got a conference coming up next week in, in Atlanta that's a partnership among the various Federal Reserve Banks uh, where we're talking about technology-enabled disruption. So we're, we're technology is coming at a faster and faster pace, um, but it's also disrupting big parts of the economy, whether it's energy, transportation, retail, media, uh, you know, you, you just go down the list. It's, it's like two thirds of the economy is, is we gotta, we gotta figure out what that means for the future and the jobs of the future and, and, uh, how we're going to cope with that. So that's been, that's been a fun thing. And I, I will say that I've been reading a lot about nuclear energy. So, uh, you know, and also solar wind and batteries. So really, really thinking about climate change and how we decarbonize our economy at scale. That, that has been a, a really interesting uh, view, but I, you know, still I've spent 30 years in the semiconductor industry and, uh, and love that stuff. And so, uh, you know, I didn't retire to retire. I retired, I uh, left Silicon Labs so that I could actually think about, uh, you know, think big picture stuff and, uh, and think about the future. And, and that's been, that's been a lot of fun. So I, I, I don't have anything to announce yet, but I, I'm getting a little bit bored. I, I will say that. I doubt you're, yeah, you're a person who, I, mean, I know there's some, some things brewing. Um, what, one last question too, relates to your overall career. So a 25 career, 25 year career at Silicon Labs. That's something, I mean, that, you know, in this day and age, you, you know, it's kind of, I, I've seen a lot of folks who advocate for, you know, job, you know, switching jobs every two years, three years. What, what, what made you want, or what, or why did you stay at Silicon Labs for 25 years? Like, what was it? I mean, it wasn't just, I mean, money's a part of it, I'm sure, but it wasn't just money, but what, 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 what kept you there that long? Yeah. The, you know, the, uh, well, for one thing, you got to get up every morning excited about what you're doing and, and you want to be learning in whatever role or whatever job you've got. And I, I, you know, I, I started in design engineering, working on products I moved into product management and business. I was 
you know, then moved into like a CTO role, worked on, on strategy, uh, and then got to drive the transformation of the company from, you know, basically nothing in IoT to this year, we'll do a billion dollars or they, I guess I, I'm still on the advisory board, so I can say we, um, you know, doing a billion dollars in revenue and, uh, and so just learned along all, all along the way. And I, and I'm a big believer that when you start something, you need to finish it. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that it's over, but that, that it's ready, you know, there's, it's in place, it's scalable, it's, it's sustainable, and it's going to continue. And there's leadership in place and talent in place and a roadmap and everything else. Um, and, and so, you know, in our industry, you can't really finish anything in two years, <laughs> you know, to finish a semiconductor chip and see it ramp into, into the market is a, you know, three, four, five year, um, you know, prompt, you know, and, and sometimes you got to do that twice. So it's the, you know, the time scales are maybe a little bit longer. So that, that concept of liking to finish things, but I also, you know, there was probably five, you know, five lives within a company and there were, you know, we were a startup company, then there was another startup, then there was another one, then there was another one and IOT was the last one. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, so you learn all along the way and, you know, as long as you're still having fun and working with people that you love working with, uh, and feeling like, you know, that you're making an impact on the industry and on the world, then, uh, you know, it's awesome to stay in one place for, for a longer period of time. It doesn't mean that that's right for everybody, but that, that, that's what was right for me. Um, although after 25 years, it's like, you know, it's maybe, maybe time. To go <laughs> I mean, you, you finished on top though, too. So I don't know. No, it's got a, you know, the rocket still, it's like another, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Rocket, in terms of, you know, in terms of role, like, in terms like of role. First, or the, you know, the first stage of the rocket or something mm -hmm. like that. So in terms uh, of your role, in terms of the role, I meant more than leadership wise. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, 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 it was awesome. And, and, and it's, it's great to, to be able to now stand back and be able to see, uh, you know, the company, uh, doing great. I mean, they just had a, a big conference, a big IOT developer conference and, you know, just more and more people every year, more momentum, um, and just seeing the markets, uh, start to, you know, when we started, I started talking about it, I think, you know, we talked about it in the last, but, you know, when I was talking about the internet of things, nobody knew what I was talking about. And I was like, everything's going to get connected up and it's going to have all these benefits. And you start to now that a lot of these things take decades to, to play out. You know, I mean, they invented the jet engine in 1937 and we're, you know, it took 50 years to build out global networks. You know, you look at energy and, you know, all the renewable energy that's getting deployed. I mean, that takes so long to, to, to you know, to make it out into the, the economy and into the world. And, uh, you know, so that those little two year slices that a lot of people look at, you got to really step back and think, you know, are you really able to, you know, are you, are you stepping up in your career, but are you really doing something meaningful that's going to, uh, you know, can you do something meaningful in that short of a time frame, given the longer timescales that, uh, that it takes for things to really have, uh, you know, substantial impact. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll leave with that. Tyson, thank you for your time. And I always look forward to having you back on the show in the future. Yeah. It's great talking to you.